right, good morning. I feel a little blinded by these lights because I want to be able to see y'all. Anyway, like she said, um, yes, I love women. I was talking to a lady last night, and um, she was like looking around. We were standing over here, and she was like, oh, just love Look, you know, love to see, be in a group, in a room full of women. And it's so true. Like, I I love women. I am a woman, and I'm so thankful for that. I thank God all the time. But anyway, okay, so I just want to, the elephant in the room here is these prizes, right? We're going to give them out later. And so um, take just, it, it's, we obviously covered them, but I don't want them to be a distraction. So just take a minute right now and look. The chair the black table cloth over the other chair, the cuteness. Take a moment, look at it, and then be done with it because God wants to speak to you, okay? We didn't come here today just or last night or any of that just to come and sit in a pew and get away from the kids, right? (laughs) Just kidding. I know that's what brings some of us here, and that's okay. I won't judge you for that. Um, But we are here because God wants us here. Every one of us that are in here, even the men who are just kind of hearing the words that are coming out of here, they're here for a reason. We're all here for a reason. God chose you to be in this place today, right? So let's just settle that in ourselves. Like we're supposed to be here. And that's a good thing, all right? So I just want to clear the air. Like, we're all supposed to be here. Don't feel guilty if you just got a text from the kid, the husband, the boss, or your friend. Just you're supposed to be here, so you're here. So let's just be here, right? Um, I want to start off by just recapping a little bit something that Tanya said last night, because I know some of you weren't here, but I also know that if you were here, we need to hear this again, because the Holy Spirit told me to say it again. So we're going to, I'm going to do that. And what it is, is, you know, last night she was talking, and in order to, before I um, tell you ladies what the Lord gave to me. I want to just remind y'all of something she shared last night. Before I do that, I bought tissue, okay, up here for me. I've been so tender lately, like just crying. And when I talk about this, my voice quivers and I cry. And so I, I told a few ladies last night, I was like, I'm just, I just want to get through it tomorrow without crying. Like that's my biggest thing. But this morning as I was worshiping, you know, we're singing, Lord, come do what you want to do. Well, guess what? If I hinder the tears that maybe are supposed to come out of me today, then I might hinder some healing in my life, and I don't want to do that. So I want to encourage y'all to do that too. I'm not saying we're going to have a big cry fest, although if that's what happens, it happens. But I just want you to just let God do what he wants to do. That's our prayer. Come, Lord, do what you want to do. So if you meant that, you just let God do what you want to do. I'm going to do the same. And um, I got my tissue up here. But one thing that she said last night that stuck with me that I felt like I just so needed to remind myself and all of us here is she told a story of when she was pregnant. Oh, oh here I go. Okay. <laughs> when she was pregnant with Olivia, how the Lord made the... Um, he made the uh, comparison and, and he told her, like she had this love for her daughter that she had never met. 
Her daughter had never performed. Her daughter had never did anything. She didn't even know what she looked like, but yet she was in love with this baby girl that was in her belly. And God spoke to her and told her, that's how I feel about you. And so this morning, I just want us to settle in that before we go anywhere, before we read the word. I wanted to just settle that before you do anything for the Lord, before you were even set foot on this earth before he approves of you. He loves you. He accepts you. And so before we go anywhere else, we just want to settle in the fact that God has that kind of love for us. We don't have to do anything to, to get and gain his love, but he has that for us. You got it? All right. Okay. So um, where are the women that have an actual Bible in this place? Who has an actual Bible? Because I just need to know if I need to slow it down a little bit so you can actually turn to the Scripture. Sometimes I will, but for time's sake, I, I got my Scriptures on here. But I just wanted to know. Okay, I want to start in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2.10. So I'll give like half a minute for you all to get there if you want. But you don't have to. You don't feel obligated. Um, no pressure. <laughs> okay, Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So there's two things I want to point out about this scripture. And the first one is what I kind of just talked about. We are his masterpiece. You know, by definition, masterpiece is an artist's best piece of work. And so if you look at God's creation, all the amazing mountains, the flowers, the trees, the animals, we are his masterpiece. We are his prized possession. And so that is something that we just need to settle in us, how really valuable and important we are to God and how he takes time. You know, I think about we recently um, got were able to get our bathrooms remodeled. Praise the Lord. They were pretty bad. And so... During that time, there's so much stuff you have to pick out. You got to pick out the layout. You got to pick out the tile, the toilet, the sink. Y'all know every single thing. You have to actually go and pick it out. And it takes time. And it takes thought. And it takes energy. And you know what? God, when he created us, I mean, like, just look around. We're all so different. Different color hair. You know, we do, we like different things. We do different things. We're different heights. God took his time to create us. He took his time to create you. And then he decides to not just create you and me, but call us his masterpiece. So to me, that is pretty amazing. And that is something that has to be noted. Well, don't you think? Yes. Okay. And so, um, the other thing about his masterpiece is, you know, we want to show it off. I want to show my new bathrooms. I told um, a friend of mine last night, I was like, you have to come over and see my bathrooms, you know, because she's inspired me in that way. And I just was like, I want her to come see it. But more than just some bathrooms in a house, God wants us, he wants to display us. Like, look at my beautiful masterpiece. Okay, but not only that, the scripture goes on to say, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Good things, to do the good things. And actually, that is what I want to talk about today. The good things. Um, what, what are they? What are those good things? Well, I, in 1 Peter 4.10, I'm going to just read it. It says, 
God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. The good things that we do are the things that serve one another, right? And he's given us a great variety. It didn't just say he just handed out a few little gifts. No, no. A great variety of gifts, which makes that awesome because we don't have to feel like we got to be just like someone else. We could be, we are who God created us to be. And there's a great variety of gifts. There's a great variety of talents. There's a great variety of personalities. And they're all so important. And so I want you to think, I'm going to ask you a question and think about this. I want you to think about one woman in your life that has done something that's made a significant change in your life. Just take a minute, like think, our significant impact, one woman in your life. And I'm going to give you a few examples. Uh, one is my own mother. She, I remember when she got saved, I wasn't saved. And um, one morning, I was bad in middle school, and um, I had caused a little bit of trouble, and some girls wanted to fight me, and I knew they could beat me, and I was like, oh my gosh, so I was scared, and my mom was like, what's going on? What's wrong with you? And I was like, well, and I, I really didn't tell my mom much in those days, because I didn't want her to fuss at me. So anyway, I shared with her, I was like, mom, this is what happened, and she said, well, you want me to pray for you? And I was like, okay, I mean, I guess it can't hurt. And I remember, now I was not saved, but when she prayed for me, like I felt something. I felt some heat and I felt some goodness. I didn't know what that was. It was the presence of God. But what happened was I went to school that day and those girls didn't even look at me. They did not touch me. God answered my prayer, but he used my mama to pray it. And I just think that was just something so small, a little simple, like, baby, let me pray for you. And she did, and God answered her prayer, and that changed me. That is what I went, I went back to that answered prayer many times before I decided to give my life to Jesus. And I also think, I'm going to give you a couple more examples. Um, I think of, you know, my friend's mom, who I was just telling you all about, that I really want to come see in my bathrooms. I was talking to her last night. Um, she's here, but I'm not going to say her name because I don't want to embarrass her. But anyway, in high school, I, I mean, I didn't care about homes or decor. I had just gotten saved, and I just wanted to live for Jesus. But this woman, my friend's mom, she would always, like, take me in and talk to me about her house and how she decorated it, and I always found it super pretty. And it was really, like, if you think about it, something really insignificant. I mean, a decorated house. But for whatever reason, that stuck with me, and that made me want to take care of my stuff because I didn't want to take care of my stuff before then. But being around her just made me want to care for my things. And you may think, oh, that's little. No, it's huge. I've got a home now. I've got a husband. I've got four kids. And to take care of your stuff is a really big deal at this stage in the game. So I just, you know, I think about that. And um, just so many things. You know, my grandma, she's a gatherer. She invites everybody over, cooks for everybody. And when mama needs something, everybody's there. She needed her house painted. Pretty much all of us stopped what we were doing. We were like, mama needs her house painted. Why? Because she gathered us. And so I'm going to give you one more before I leave because I really just want you to, to, to see where you are in this. What do you do? What are the little insignificant things you do that really impact people? I'm hoping to touch on that this morning. I take care of this little girl after school, and um, she's a sweetheart, so much fun. And I was asking my daughters and her, I'm like, girls, what 
do people do for you or with you or something you see someone do that really, that really means a lot to you. And, oh, it's so sweet. She said, um, her grandma is letting some, or did let, I kind of the story is a little, but she said her grandma let some people stay with them and she's helping them. And she heard, she had tears in her eyes telling that her grandma is helping some people. I don't even know the story, but she's helping them get on their feet, I guess. But she has them living with her. Or maybe it was a few days, maybe a few weeks. I don't even know the details. But this little girl, this 10-year-old with tears in her eyes was telling me this, y'all. These little things, my point, these little insignificant things that we do, that people do, just make the most significant difference in our life. And we need to, we need to know that. We need to be encouraged by that. It's just, you know, it's people being themselves and just doing what they do. Not striving to be some big name. Not striving for this big post and accolades on Instagram or Facebook. I'm talking about real, genuine, just being you. The definition of significant means sufficiently great are important are worthy of attention. And insignificant means too small or important to be worth consideration. How many times a day do we do these little significant things that we don't really pay no mind to, but they're really significant and God uses them in significant ways. And so, um, you know, my hope today is that you will leave here with not only a full belly of crawfish, but a full heart, a heart that is so content in who God created you to be and, and so content in the person that God has called you to be that you are just ready to go enjoy yourself, okay? Yourself. <clears throat> you know, I would, I, my hope and my prayer, I've been praying this for a while, is that we would all leave here, myself included, to just be totally fine with being me, just being me, for you to be you and only you. And that's the title of this message, you and only you, to be you and only you. Um, And the way I want to do this is I want to take us through God's word and show us a few biblical examples of what I just talked about. People that were simply being themselves. And I want to give you some takeaways to take home so you can keep this going. Because, you know, we come to a conference and we get inspired and get encouraged. But I want to give you some takeaways to keep this going. Excuse me, ladies. Okay, well, let's take a look. John 6. And I'm going to kind of go through this quickly because I'm seeing the time tick away. All right. So um, if you like to take notes, you can write these scriptures down. Or the points are whatever. Just listen. John 6, 5 through 9, it says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Now, if you know the story, Jesus took that little boy's lunch and he multiplied it and he fed the crowd. And so of this story, there is one question I want to ask. Who packed that little boy's lunch? 
Huh? I always assume it was probably his mama, because that's what we do. But maybe it was his grandma. Maybe it was his big sister. I don't know. But what I do know is, is that insignificant task of fixing that little boy's lunch and sending him out the door made room for a major significant miracle. So let's, we're going to keep going. All right, let's, we're going to go to Judges 4, 17, 17 through 21. And really my hope, again, is that we can identify with some of these stories, identify with our, with our lives. Mean, oh, by the way, before I read this, like these names, I listened how you're supposed to pronounce them, but I kind of forgot. So like if I butcher them, just ignore it. Just listen to the story. <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael. The, okay, there's a war going on. God told Deborah to, God called Deborah. Deborah's this big prophetess, warrior woman, amazing. Okay. And, um, God called her to go and fight and, uh, Sisera's army. So they're fighting. Well, Sisera runs away. That's where we pick up. Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hezar. So, okay, the, um, this guy runs to her tent. He's running away because he doesn't want to get killed. And he runs to the tent of this lady named Jael. Um, Come in my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. Uh, sometimes it sounds like a little Cajun mama. I don't know how old she was, but the fact that she covered him with a blanket makes me think she might have been, you know, like a mama. But anyway, <laughs> please give me some water. He said, I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Like, really? This like, what a sweetheart, you know? She's like, oh, you, oh, you want water? No, I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you some milk. And then I'm going to make sure you covered and warm. However, she had a plan. He told her, stand at the tent door, stand at the door of the tent. If anybody comes and asks you if there is anyone here, say no. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple into the ground, and so he died. This is this big captain guy of the army, and he runs to her tent, and she kills him. That's what they were all trying to do. They are all trying to kill him, but um, she was in the right place at the right time. But what I want to point out is her simple life, okay? Her story is found in the midst of Deborah's amazing tale of defeating Sisera's army. And Jael, you know, as I was reading, she wasn't called by Deborah. Hey, Jael, prepare yourself. You're going to kill the guy with the tent peg. You're going to get that tent peg. Have it ready. No, it just says she was there. He ran into her. She, he ran by and she's like, hey, come here. She was available, right? She was available to him. <clears throat> I don't know that she had a special talent or really practice driving tent pegs into people's heads. Uh, it doesn't say that. I would imagine that she might not have been, but she was there and she did it. All the Bible says about her is she was the wife of Keber the Kenite. Heber the Kenite. She was friendly. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> she was friendly. Um, you know, sometimes we think that because we're in the midst 
of someone else's great story that our deeds are not that significant. We sometimes feel like we may be in the shadow of maybe your boss. Maybe you're in the shadow. You feel like you're in the shadow of your parents. Maybe a good friend that just seems to have all the goods. Maybe your spouse. Maybe even your children. But we just feel like we're in the midst of someone else's big story and their big tale. And here we are. We're insignificant. But let me tell you that her availability brought deliverance to Israel that to the Israelites that day. And that is pretty significant. And that's what I want to encourage y'all with is that you don't have to be the main person. It doesn't have to be your glory days or your glory season for you to do something significant for the Lord. You just be you and only you. So we're going to keep going because I love these stories. Um, okay, Acts 3, 1 through 6, and I'm really going to kind of ramp this up. Um, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us, the, uh, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. A great healing happened that day. Peter and John were walking along their merry way and looked at this guy and was available from the Lord and he got healed. But that is not who I want to talk about with this story. Verse 2 says, each day he was put beside the temple gate. Who in the world brought that man to the temple gate? He, they, he, he or she is not named. We don't even know who they are. They don't give him a name. But because they brought him to the gate, he got a miracle. How many of us are doing simple things? Maybe some of you bring people to church. Maybe some of you are the, the woman or, well, yeah, we're all women in here. But maybe, oh, and I see a couple guys. Okay. But maybe we're the, you know, that woman that puts that one inspiring scripture on Facebook or Instagram and someone reads that and it changes their day. Maybe you're the woman that just smiles at people. You know, I think about um, a friend of mine, her daughter. She told this story in a leaders meeting recently, and it just got me. She said that her daughter works at a, um, at a gift shop in a hospital, okay? And every, well, not every day, but often this man comes in that works there, an older gentleman, and he, he talks to her, and she listens, and she listens, and she listens, and she listens. He tells her about his life and whatever, and she just listens and smiles and all that. Well, one night he's at home. And he's feeling lonely, he's in debt, and he's discouraged and depressed. And he really considers taking his life. He wants to end it all. But what happens? He sees her face and his mind, and he remembers her kindness to him. She didn't preach Jesus to him. She didn't tell him he was gone to hell if he didn't surrender his life. No. She listened to this man and she was kind and he did not kill himself that night. And he, or he's still alive. <laughs> and he goes back to tell her of what happened. Y'all, this is us. Just kindness, smiles. You know, another friend of mine was saying how 
Somebody was, was told, stopped her to tell her, hey, your smile encourages me. A smile. We all got that. And the last, you know, person that I wanted to talk about was, um, in 1 Corinthians 16, it talks about, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla was this couple. They're, they're not mentioned so much in depth, but they're mentioned quite a few times. Um, they were helpers to Paul, a married couple who had the gift of hospitality and exhortation. They were an encouraging couple that opened up their home and just let people in. And I don't know, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe y'all know this. I don't know that it records any, any miracles like Peter and John did or anything like that. But what I, what I understand is that this couple just had the gift of hospitality and they used, they opened up their house so that the church met there often. So anyway, you know, I titled this message, You and Only You, because while we are being just ourselves, just being us in the midst of all the insignificant things we do every day, um, we have to remember that just being us is significant. It is special. We are valuable. And so I have a clip that I would like to show you real quick, a couple minutes, not even probably, that uh, just kind of brings this point home. That's what you say. I mean, I feel like, because I'll tell you, you and I have been having an ongoing discussion about faith and connection with God. And I feel like, who is there today who has his kind of messaging? You know, that uplifting, joyful, faithful, help me get reconnected. Don't shame me. Don't guilt me. Don't Don't make me feel worse than I already feel. Someone who's nonpartisan, someone who's full of love, someone who's not covered in scandal, not trying to rip anybody Mm -hmm. off, you know? There aren't that many Billy Grahams out there. There the are so many people of faith, though, that, and, and sincere faith, and uh, many, many, many in our pulpits, but many, many, many just, it might be your plumber. It might be, God has his people everywhere. God has his people everywhere. You don't have to be Billy Graham, although he was so amazing and touched so many lives. We don't have to be Billy Graham. We don't have to be Joyce Meyer. We don't have to be Kim Walker Smith. <laughs> We just need to be us. It could be your plumber, right? It could be your plumber, she said. You know, that lady was looking, the, the one who was interviewing her was looking for an answer of someone great. And she gave her an answer of someone great. You know, you could be just a student in high school. You can be a mom, a cashier, an encourager, someone with the gift of hospitality, a business owner, a CEO, just a friend. You know, when I, one of my daughters, when I asked the girls that question I told y'all earlier, she said, you know, mama, one day at school, me and she named her friend. She said, we were picking up trash outside of school. And I think it was a little 4-H project that they do. And she said, I felt so good doing that with my friend. What? Like, oh my gosh. Like just doing something nice with your friend. Maybe you're that friend. But you're valuable. We are all valuable. And we are important and we're needed in God's kingdom. Um, so like I said, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. And we, um, he created us anew to do the good things that he planned for us long ago. All right. So how do we live this life? I'm going to give you three takeaways in three minutes. I really probably won't, but I'm going to try. All right. The first one is to connect with God and connect with others. So our first takeaway is to connect. John 15, 5 says, Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. 
for apart from me you can do nothing. So who is who is who are we supposed to be connected to? Well, let me tell you. That song Reckless Love, I want to I want to read you a few lyrics from it. We sang it last night. This is the God who tells us be connected to me. He's overwhelming, never ending, has reckless love. It, talking about it, love, it says it chases me down. It fights till I'm found and leaves the 99 because we're so important. It says no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up running after me, no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down running after me. This is the God who created the universe. This is the God who created you and I. He is the God that fights for us. He is the God that chases us down because he loves us so much. There's no shadow he can't light up. There's no dark place in our lives that he cannot come in and bring the light. There's no pain he cannot heal. This is our God. This is the God that says, connect to me, because without me, you can do nothing. I don't know what we think we can do without God, but I tell you what, there is no one like him that we can be connected to. There is no source like him that we can be connected to. Not at all. He is our God. He is our creator, and we are connect. when we are connected to him, we can do all things. He delicately designed us so he knows exactly what we are supposed to be doing. When we get that revelation that I am his and he is mine, then when you know what he calls you and tells you to do, you can go do it because this is your God. A lot of times as women, we try to find that in a man. There is no man, not one at all, that could ever give us what God gives us. So if we're waiting for that man to come around, it ain't going to happen. We find that in this God. And our God that I love, my favorite part is there's no lie. There's no wall you won't kick down and no lie you won't tear down. How many times have we watched a movie and you have the knight in shining, shining armor coming in and grabbing that damsel in distress and whisking her off and rescuing her and they live happily ever after? We had that. His name is Jesus Christ. So that is who we connect to. I hope that encourages you. If you came here and you are not connected to God, when we are done, come talk to one of our pink tag ladies because we want to get you connected to God. That is number one, number one. Okay, connected to others. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, and I'm going to just read it. Two people, are, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, The other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. How many times in our life are we so down and discouraged and we need someone to come and help us up, help re- remind us of who God is, help re- 
remind us of who we are in God. Help us up. They keep us warm. They fight with us. Those are the kinds of people we need to be connected with. People that will fight for you. People that will tell you you're wrong. God does not say that about you. He says this about you. And so, ladies, if you are single, you look for that in a man. That is what you look for in a man, a man who can bring you back to God, a man who can encourage you that you are who God says you are, not who I say you are. You are not who she says you are. You are who God says you are. All right, so first point, first takeaway today, connection. All right, the second one is compare not. You hit on it last night. I was so excited because this is so true. Let's get real. How many times have you had the best day? Or maybe not the best, but just an awesome day. You had a really, really good day. Whatever that was, maybe a great successful day at work. Maybe a great day with the family and just got to go have fun. Whatever it is. Maybe you went shopping all day, got you some good deals, some cute clothes. And then you get home and either you maybe open a magazine for those magazine readers. I'm still one of those. Love my magazines. Or maybe you put the TV on or got on the old social media, and you realize your day wasn't that good because her day was better. Maybe you got on the scale that day and you lost your five pounds, but then you get on Instagram and homegirl over here is like, you know, a CrossFit athlete sculpted up all crazy, (laughs) bikini on, and you're like, man, I don't look that good, right? I know I'm not the only one, okay? I'm just being real with y'all. Listen, Comparison steals our joy, and it steals our success. Comparison steals our success. It tells us that what we have is not good enough, and it ultimately makes us believe that what we are is not good enough. And let me tell you, the number one thing the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy is our identity. Because when he's got us thinking that we ain't nothing, then we can't do anything. Psalm 16, 6 says, the land that you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. And I think that if we could all have that attitude about our life, we'd be a whole lot better. We wouldn't have to compare. There'd be no room for that. I like to, I like to say it like this. I like to, um, fill in the, the word land with something else. For example, The job you have given me is a pleasant job. What a wonderful inheritance, right? The house you have given me is a pleasant house. What a wonderful inheritance. The talents that you have given me are pleasant talents. What a wonderful inheritance. The children you have given me are wonderful children. What a wonderful inheritance are pleasant children. Yeah, I wanted to make pleasant children because we need to believe that. The spouse, the spouse, you have given me as a pleasant spouse. What a wonderful inheritance. I believe there's some of y'all in here today that's going to take this little line, bring it home, fill in that little blank, (laughs) and you're going to declare it every day with something that you need to be thankful for, something that you need to see as a wonderful inheritance. And I like how Tanya said this last night. When we compare ourselves with others, we can't connect with them. And that goes in, that, that ties with my first point. First takeaway is we got to connect with people. But if you compare yourself with them, how do you connect with them? And look, I'm so guilty. So um, Galatians 6, 4 says, 
pay careful attention to your own work. Your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to others, uh, to compare yourself to anyone else. Recently, Brandon and I had dinner with a couple. And when we first got to the restaurant, one of the lady's friends came up and she was talking real bubbly, um, fun lady. And she was telling us she had a group from her church. She goes to a local church. She said, yeah, we just got to get the ladies out of the house. And we, we, we decided to get them out of the house because, man, they compare themselves with each other. They're looking at each other's house saying like, ooh, she needs to do this or she needs to do that. And I'm like, no way. Like, really? This is where we are as women? We don't invite people to our house because we're too afraid that they're going to judge us and size us up next to their house? Like, no, this ought not be. But the, the Bible says to pay, pay attention to your own work and don't worry about those other ladies. Because listen, when we look at someone else's life and we think it's better than ours, 10 times out of 10, we're going to miss the miracles of the mundane. I tell you what, whoever packed that boy's lunch was sure glad she did that that day right? Brandon even said, he was like, maybe it was the dad. And I'm like, well, you're right. But my point is, is I'm talking to women. So we're going to assume it was a woman who packed that little boy's lunch. (laughs) All right. Last thing, last thing, create, create, create. We see this word all over. You see all these bill, not billboards, but like, you know, going to Hobby Lobby, You know, and there's like all these colorful things that say create and these cute little decor signs. And so, you know what, I'm going to play on that and give you a word to remember because I'm hoping every time from now on that you see this word create, you're going to think of what I'm about to tell you. So we know in the beginning in Genesis, it says God created the heavens and the earth. We know that he created us. He created all the animals, all the beautiful things. To create means to bring something into existence, to produce, to make fashion, to make, to fashion, build, construct. Part of enjoying, listen, the woman that God has created us to be and living our life out like that is discovering who God has created us to be and then doing what he's created us to do. When you know who you are in God, it should be easier to do what he's created you to do. I love, in, uh, and I'm just going to, you know, give you the reference, but in Exodus, whenever they're crafting the, uh, the, the, the tabernacle, um, it says in different places, it said, the Lord has filled uh, this guy, Basilil, I don't know his name, with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. And then it says that... Um, and then it, it talks about, uh, for time, I'm just going to say, but it talks about how he gave this person the skill for teaching their craft. And then he gave this person the gift for giving. You know this uh, beautiful kimono I have on up here? All right. I was at church one day, and this lady had this on. And I was like, that is so pretty. Well, a few weeks later, I get a goodie bag. And not only did she give me this beautiful thing, but she also gave me a $50 gift card. And she wrote me this amazing, encouraging letter to me. And I'm like, that is some people's gifts, y'all. And that blessed me so much. And 
I just, we have so many things that God has gifted us with that we need to create. She created a moment. She created me to feel so blessed by giving me this thing. Now, just because I tell y'all what you're wearing is cute, y'all don't all have to give it to me, okay? I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just using it as an example. So don't feel like that. You know, oh, she said that. Because I like everything down here. I like it all. But I don't want it all, okay? It's for y'all. Creating is fun. That's, you know, people try to try to make Christianity not fun, and I don't know why, but it is fun because we get to do what we were created to do, which is make something. So that's where the word create comes in. So what are your gifts, huh? What are your talents? What is your, what are your spiritual gifts? Have you taken a spiritual gifts test? In our next steps class that we offer on Sundays, you get to take a spiritual gifts test. You get to find out the things you like to do, How do they fit in God's kingdom? And y'all, that is like the funnest to use your gifts in God's kingdom. So cool. What are the things that you do that you get excited to do? Huh? Think about it. Guess what? You're valuable enough to think about it and you're valuable enough to do it. Now, I've heard it. I read this um, in a book. It says, I'm not very creative doesn't work. There's no such thing as creative people and non-creative people. There are only people who use their creativity and people who don't. Unused, thank you, unused creativity doesn't just disappear. Listen, if you don't use your creativity, if you don't use what God instills inside of you to use, it doesn't disappear. These are the three things it does. Either it's expressed, which that's fun. It's neglected to death. Or it's suffocated by resentment and fear. So examine yourself real quick. Examine yourself. Where do you fall in that? Do you feel like you get to express your creativity? Or do you feel like you've neglected it? Or is it suffocated by resentment and fear? Our creativity is often found in all the little insignificant acts. Who has a garden? Who who likes to write? Who journals? That's creativity. So let's not neglect them or suffocate them. Let's express them. You know, there's a story about the um, three the, the three servants uh, who were given talents. Jesus told this parable in Matthew 25. Um, two use their, their gifts wisely and they got more. Or their talents. Two use their talents wisely and got more. One hid his out of fear and he got rebuked. The two who used theirs were celebrated. The other one who didn't use his talents were thrown out. Now, Jesus told this story. It wasn't my story. Jesus told it for a reason, and I believe with everything that I have, the reason why he told this story is because it's important. It's important to be who God created you to be, and part of that is your gifts and talents and your spiritual gifts. They're so important. So question yourself. What is mine? Are you a gardener? Are you a painter, a writer, a singer, a baker? Do you have the gift of hospitality, the gift of encouragement, the gift of giving? Do you like to build stuff with your hands? Do you like to teach? Do you love numbers? Do you play an instrument? Do you like to learn a different language? Do you love to serve? Do you love to gather, have people around? Do you love to organize? Call me if you do. I could use your help. And so to make it clear and put this out there, I want you to know that I am not saying, catch this, 
I'm not saying neglect your responsibilities. No. But what I'm saying is, is that your gifts and talents can enhance your responsibilities. Right? You don't neglect them. So don't go home and say, baby, I don't have to cook ever again. And this house, I'm not cleaning it. So good luck. I'm going to go and write a song. No, I'm not saying that. Not at all. I'm going to leave you with this example. Let's think about a big pot of gumbo. Who likes gumbo? Me. Me, me, me. Okay. All right. You have gumbo. Now, if you try to cook a gumbo without the roux, uh, it's going to be like a little baby gravy or something. Okay? It's not a gumbo, though. It's not. I'm telling you. If you don't have roux in it, do not call it a gumbo. You call it something else. Now, what if you try to cook your gumbo and you have everything except the seasoning? Everything. You got your meat, your onions, your garlic, or your onions, bell pepper, and celery. Some people put a little garlic. Um, your meat, your roux, everything but your salt and seasoning. Nothing. That's not going to be good at all, and no one is going to want to eat it. Okay? The body of Christ is like a big pot of gumbo, y'all. We need everything. We need the onions. We need the bell peppers. We need the celery, the meat, the roux, the seasoning, everything else, anything else, the egg. Y'all, we are a big pot of gumbo. So everything that you are, everything God has designed you to be, your gifts, your talents, your desires, your personality, it's needed in the kingdom of God. Don't neglect it. Don't repress it. Don't pretend it doesn't exist because you're trying to be mature. No, it's fun to have fun, okay? You can be mature and hula hoop in your yard with your kids. You can be mature and go play paintball. You can be mature and have a garden. And have, you, It doesn't mean you have to stifle. Maturity and, spirit, and being spiritual doesn't mean you have to stifle the fun, creative stuff in your life. You don't have to do that. So I, spiritual gifts, talents, and personality is all part of who God has designed us to be. And I believe that all of our necessary duties that we just have to do and we do do in life, I believe they would be more enjoyable if we allowed ourselves to create as well. So let's do that. And I, I was praying about this last point. I am not going to lie. Okay, the, the create. I thought, God, you know, I mean, Connect to you, compare not. That's pretty well received, right? I really was thinking, like, God, if I talk about create, like, some people might, what are people, like, really, what are people going to think, right? Compare not. But anyway, but I just wanted it, I wanted, you know, I felt like it felt strongly that God wanted me to give that point. And so I prayed about it for a couple weeks. And finally this week, I was like, God, I could, I could put a different point in there because there's really a lot I could say. And he said, Cassie, you're going to give permission to women to create. God wants to give you permission to take your gifts, to take your talents and your personality and just be free to do it, to be him, to, to be in him and to be you, you and only you. So today I talked about um, what we're doing last night. I love it. Tanya talked about our true self. When we know who we are in God, then we could be who we are in God and do 
the things that he's designed us to do. And so we discover our um, connection. When, when we discover our connection with God and we are totally connected with him, we don't have to compare with others. So get that. When we're connected with God, we don't have to compare with others. And when we enjoy what we do, we live out the very calling that's woven inside of us. And so we can go out there and we can enjoy ourselves. Can y'all do that? Can you be you and only you and no one else but the woman that God has called you to be? Can you do that? Awesome. That's it. We're all going to leave this place today. And we're all going to be the woman that God has called and created us to be. I'm going to end with a prayer, and then you can tell them what to do because I did go over a little bit. Okay, she said it was okay. So we'll pray for 30 minutes now. No, I'm joking. Okay, I would like for you to you just sit. You sit. Take your hands. If you feel the liberty, if you have freedom, just take your hands like this, like you're receiving. Okay, Father, we just come to you, Father, and we just ask that you would download into us all the things that you have created us to be, all the, all the attributes, Lord, everything, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, the things that we're, the people, God, tell us, show us the people that we're supposed to connect with, God. Show us the people that we're comparing ourselves with, God. And Lord, I also ask, Father God, that you would show us what you woven inside of us, Lord, that we need to create with, Father. Lord, we receive who you have called us to be, God. Just do that in your own words, ladies. Just tell the Lord, I receive, I accept who you have called me to be. We need to accept it, God. We accept who you have called us to be, God. We accept who you have created us to be, God. We accept it. Because all you do is good things, God. You are good and only good. Father, I pray, God, for every woman in here, every man who hears this, every woman who hears this word, God. And I pray that we would be free to be the person that you have called and created us to be. God, that we would not compare ourselves with anyone else, that we wouldn't compare ourselves with our former selves, Father God. But God, that we would just look to you as our main connection, God. Look to you as our main influence, God. And that we would roll with that, God. That we would totally be the woman that you created us to be unashamed, without fear, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, God. Lord, we just lift up the rest of this time to you. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.